Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Sermons Podcast. At Legacy Church, we help people find their identity in Jesus and their place in His mission to impact the world through the gospel. We ask that you grab your Bibles, listen up, and we hope that you hear a great word from the Lord today. Oh, how are we doing this morning, church? Yeah, all right. Awesome, awesome, man. Thank you all for joining us in worship this morning. If this is your first time here or you're here visiting family this week, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here on staff uh, and excited to get to lead our time of teaching this morning. So if you will, go ahead and grab your Bibles uh, and flip over to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 is where we will be this morning. Uh, Our passage today and our message is actually the one that our lead pastor, Kevin, was supposed to preach last weekend, uh, but he and his family are still out. So uh, y'all continue to pray for them for quick healing and recovery and also some peace and rest while they are uh, stuck at home. But again, very thankful to have an opportunity to get to lead this morning. Last week we talked about, uh, we've been talking about 1 John for a couple weeks now. Last week we talked about the the reason it's important for us to have great discernment on what truth really is. Uh, discerning what our faith really teaches us, and that's a big part of us growing up in our faith, becoming spiritually mature Christians. Uh, In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul tells us that we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ." And so what we have at play here in 1 John, the situation uh, that this church is finding themselves in is the, the early church in Ephesus, right? The, the church that has begun there because of the gospel of Jesus. Um, a lot of these Christians are, are new Christians. They're, they're, I mean, it's a brand new church that has just started. And so these early Christians are still trying to figure out who Jesus is, what his gospel message was. Um, how does that impact my life now as a Christian? How am I supposed to live? But also, how am I supposed to deal with the complex issues of the culture that surrounds me? Somebody tell me that does not sound familiar to our current context today, right? Uh, man, and so they're trying to figure out all of these things. And I want to remind us this morning, kind of the deeper reason that it's important for us to be able to discern what is true in our faith and in our walk with God. And so Paul, the same guy who wrote uh, the book of Ephesians uh, a couple years before, had written to the same church. In uh, Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Like, cool, thanks, Paul. That's not intense at all, right? Like, come on, man. Like, where's the encouragement, right? Like, (laughs) Paul is telling them, hey, y'all are fighting a spiritual battle. As Christians, as Christ followers, you now fight a spiritual battle. And this spiritual battle is so incredibly important and has a ton of eternal consequences. And you have to pay attention to what it is that you are doing and what it is that you are believing and what it is that you are saying, right? And it's a context that we have to remember for ourselves because we as Christians today fight the exact same spiritual spiritual battle that the early church in Ephesus was fighting as well. And I think we need to ask ourselves this question that are we fighting this spiritual battle with morally relative armor? Like are are we fighting this spiritual battle that we face with holes in our protection? Have we mixed up what the world says is good and right and true with having a real honest intimate relationship with who Jesus is? I think we need to equip ourselves with the proper armor to fight the proper battle that we have to face. 
And so about 30 years have passed, right? 30 years have passed um, since Paul has written his letter, and now John is writing to the church in Ephesus. And John is kind of following up to this letter and asking the people of Ephesus, hey, how much thought have you put into this spiritual battle that, hey, yes, you are still fighting to this day? How much thought have you put into that battle? And I think the question for us this morning as well is how much thought have we put into that same battle that we face? And so that's what John begins to talk about in verse 18. First uh, John chapter 2, if you look in verse 18, it says, Children, this is the last hour, and just as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. For this we know that this is the last hour. And so the last hour is kind of meaning that the time between Jesus' resurrection and when he comes back again. We're kind of living in this period of history uh, the Bible refers to as kind of the last hours, Right. And I think what's really important for us to note this morning uh, is just in, even in this first verse, what John is trying to say, that he is calling out false teachers and false prophets as antichrist. Did you catch that? Antichrist with an S. And like we know, we, we've heard about the antichrist, right? We, we've heard that terminology before. Uh, and usually we think of like this ultimate bad guy who's going to kind of bring about the destruction of our world and he's going to bring people away from Jesus and and we kind of think about this ultimate bad guy, or I like to think about uh, oftentimes like the movies that my mom told me not to watch because they were too scary and I would have nightmares for the rest of my life. And to this day, I still won't watch a scary movie because of that advice. And it's, it's paid off pretty well, right? <laughs> One in particular that I, that I think of often when I think of the, the word the Antichrist, I like to think of the Lion King. No amens or jalapenos to that? Nothing? Nothing? <laughs> Okay, go with me here for a second. How many of you seen The Lion King? Show of hands. Seen The Lion King? Yeah, just about everybody, right? It's like quintessential. You have to watch The Lion King at some point in your life. But I like to think about The Lion King. So you know the movie. You know the part that I'm talking about. When the hyenas are kind of gathered up, circled together, and they're talking about the lions and how much they just hate the lions, and the lions just ruin their life. And he's like, man, I hate that guy Mufasa. And the other guy's like, Ugh. He's like, what's your problem? And, like, and he's like, oh man, every time you say Mufasa, it just makes me shiver. He's like, okay, Mufasa, <laughs> right? And then he's like, Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. And he's like, ah, all right? That's what I think about when I think about the Antichrist. It's like, like kind of makes me shiver, right? Like Antichrist, Antichrist, Antichrist. Ah, I don't want to talk about that. Like, I don't want to talk about that. That's scary, right? But the meaning of the word Antichrist is simply means against Christ. And most teachers and faithful commentators, when they talk about the Antichrist, we can agree that the, that the Antichrist is like the ultimate embodiment of what it means to be against Jesus. That there will be a guy in the end times that comes and, and is the exact opposite of Jesus. But he's going to be a very charismatic guy. He's going to be somebody that everybody loves. He's going to be somebody that is, has a huge following. He's going to be people, he's going to pull people away and he's actually going to tell people, hey, don't worry about Jesus. I am the real savior of the world. But what John is saying, y'all know about that guy. That guy's coming off in the future, right? But what I'm talking about is the spirit of the Antichrist that is already present in our world today and has been present since Satan declared war on God and began the spiritual battle that we all face. What I'm talking about is the, the, the spirit of falsehood, right? The, the anti-truth that we have to live by. What he's saying is that there are many antichrists. There are many false teachers, many false doctrines, many fake truths that are out there that want you to believe in them, right? And they're claiming that they know the truth and they're claiming that they tell you the truth, but they really don't. And so he picks back up in verse 19 and he says, uh, the antichrist, they went out from us. 
And what he's saying is they came from within our walls. They're people that have shown up to church and they've learned about Jesus and they've learned about his gospel, but they weren't, they weren't 100% sold. They didn't like everything that they heard. They decided, you know what? I like some of that stuff, but some of that stuff makes me uncomfortable. And so I'm going to go do my own thing. And they begin to deny the reality and the truth that is the gospel of Jesus. They begin to deny things like that Jesus actually physically was a real person here on this earth and that he came to die as a sacrifice for our sin. Or they begin to deny that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only way to attain life, the only way for us to have a real relationship with God. They think, hey, there's other, there's other avenues to my happiness. There's other avenues for me to get to heaven And they begin to deny the lordship, the kingship of Jesus, that he is supposed to be my primary and sole focus. He is the one that I'm supposed to put my hope and my trust in. Or they even begin to deny the implications of what it means to follow the gospel, that I'm supposed to be a different person now that I follow after Jesus. I'm supposed to live to a higher standard. I'm supposed to live the life that he has called me to live. And I think the spirit of the Antichrist is behind every false doctrine and every religious substitute for the realities that Christians have in Jesus. John is what he's saying. He's describing that there's people among us that have learned about the faith. They've learned about what's true and right. And they've decided that they didn't like all of it. So they begin to distort it and replace it and reshape it to fit the narrative or fit the truth that they want it to fit. And no matter how much they tell you it is the truth, it is no longer the truth. So here's what I'm talking about. Some of you all notice I have a little jar of Play-Doh up here. I think all the kids in the room did at least. They're like, oh, where do I get the Play-Doh? Um, so pull this out real quick. This is kind of what I'm talking about. Okay, this is awkward. Yeah, there we go. I knew that was going to happen. All right. So what is this? It's Play-Doh, right? How many of y'all played with Play-Doh before? Yeah? Play-Doh's awesome. Like, you can squish it, you can squeeze it, you can stretch it out, you can build, you can do all kinds of things with it. You can make it into shapes, you can throw it at your brother or sister when you're little, right? And if you roll it into a ball for a little bit, keep rolling it with your hands. How you you doing, Graham? Doing good? Cool. I wasn't sure how long this was going to take, so I thought I'd just fill the time. So you can roll it in your hands like this, and after a little while, when you kind of keep rolling it, We've got a ball, right? I can roll it into a ball. How many of y'all played with a ball before? Cool. What can you do with a ball? Throw it. You can play catch with somebody. You can, uh, you can play sports, right? You can play basketball. You can play football. You can play tennis. You can roll a ball down the lane and hit some pins, and it's called bowling. You can uh, throw it over a net and play sand volleyball, which is what we're doing with the student ministry tonight, 530 to 730, pause, break, commercial. Uh, Send your students back here for student worship tonight. We're playing sand volleyball out back. Uh, You can play sand volleyball, right? Uh, You can play golf. How many golfers we got in the room? Yeah, all right, cool. I pity you. I'm sorry. No, (laughs) I know because I am one of you. No, right? Like you can all do all these different kinds of sports. You can do a bunch of different stuff with a ball, right? Um, Colors. You can have a bunch of different colors, right? You can have a, a red ball. You can have a black and white ball. You can have a green one, an orange one, like a basketball. You can have all these different colors. You can play all these different sports. How many of y'all have noticed what's actually happening up here on stage? If you're sitting close to the front, you might have noticed what's really going on. If you're sitting in the back or maybe even watching online, it may be a little harder because it's, you're a little farther away and it's harder to see. 
But as I'm sitting here and talking about a ball and what you can do with a ball and what color balls you have, I don't have a ball anymore in my hand. As I've been sitting here talking about what a ball is and what it looks like and what you can do with it, I've slowly been disforming the ball up here on stage. I've been reshaping it to where it is no longer a ball anymore. Right? And I think that is what John is trying to tell us, that the Antichrist behave in such a way that they take the truth and they begin to reshape it and reform it to where it's not the truth anymore. They say, hey, here's the truth. Here's all the cool stuff that you can do with the truth. Here's all the cool colors that truth can come in. And here's the fun stuff that you can do. And they begin to ask questions and they begin to talk to you. All the while they're reshaping what the truth really is and it is no longer the truth anymore. It's no longer a ball. No matter how much I tell you this is a ball, it is no longer a ball. So we have to be very vigilant. We have to be careful what it is, the things that we are listening to, because I can't think of a better way to deceive someone than to convince them that they are following after the truth when they are actually believing the lies. So that's a big setup to talk about what an Antichrist is, who the Antichrist is, what an Antichrist is, a false teacher in our life, where they come from, but how do we protect ourselves from them? How do we protect ourselves um, from being veered away by, by a false teacher, a false truth, a uh, relative gospel? How do, we, how do we protect ourselves from following after those things? Or even, scary thought here, how do we protect ourselves from becoming one of those people that decides to live our truth and not the truth? Well, the first thing I think that we need to look at this morning is that we need to lean into the church. We need to lean into the church. Verse 19, they went out from us. John is saying they were never actually a part of us in the first place. We talked about it a couple weeks ago in John chapter 1, that they were, say that you're of the light, but you're not actually in the light. They need, we need to lean into the church because false teachers and, and false truths have come out from, from us. They have set themselves apart from life and shared activity in the church. They've set themselves apart and rejected accountability of what it is to be a Christian, right? I mean, think about this. This is kind of a scary thought. Every cult and every movement of false teaching started when somebody decided to leave a church. And that's a scary thought, y'all, because I have seen people in my own life that have been hurt by church or they have gotten into arguments with other people at church or they've walked in the doors and they've heard something that kind of rubbed them the wrong way and they thought, you know what? I don't have to deal with this. I'm going to go out and do my own thing. And I've seen people in my life and leaders and, and, and people I appreciate and love go out and begin to start their own movements and their own churches. And they say, you know what? I'm going to call the shots. I'm going to make the rules. I'm going to decide what the Bible teaches and what I should do to live my life. And more often than not, I've seen those same people that I love and appreciate get so far out, so far out in front of God. And so far off the path of what he has set out for them for the sake of the instant gratification of themselves. And I know as a pastor, I have to guard myself. As a Christian, I have to guard myself from the thoughts that I know best. And that my opinion is the biggest in the room. And that I know how I should call the shots in my own life. Now, on the other hand, I think it's important for us to note that being in a church isn't enough to make you saved, right? Just because you go to church on Sunday mornings doesn't make you good enough to have a relationship with God, right? We know this. 
But when you go to church and you surround yourselves with other Christians, hopefully what's working is that you are submitting to Jesus Christ as the head of the church, but you're also submitting to fellow believers around you that are going to hold you accountable and they're going to encourage you. They're going to spur you on in your faith to grow and not just be complacent with who you are, but chase after who God has called you out to be, right? And I think if we remain spiritually humble and we remain spiritually hungry and we come into this place week after week hungry for the truth and hungry for the message of Jesus, we become the church that it's talked about in Acts 2, that we're not just a building anymore. We're not just a people that meet once a week. We become a movement of God. We become a movement for Jesus Christ in our world who desperately needs Jesus we begin to encourage one another. We begin to build each other up. We don't let petty arguments tear us down and send us to different churches. We begin to pray with one another. We begin to sync up with one another. and We begin to chase after what God's will is for our life. And the implication that John is making here is that sometimes it's hard for us to tell who is and who isn't a Christian. But you can tell very quickly, are they a part of a local church, a God-fearing, Bible-believing, Christ-centric church? Are they submitting to a church? Are they leaning into a church? And if they are, then cool. If they're not, then they're probably not somebody that you want to follow after. Verse 21, it says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Verse 23, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses to you, oh, sorry, the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. So he's kind of laying down some truth, and then he's about to call them to action on it. Verse 24, as for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning, and in what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise which he himself has made to us, eternal life. And these things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. So first we need to lean into the church. The second thing that we need to do is we need to lean into the scriptures. We need to lean into God's word. We need to lean into our Bible. Because not everybody that says they are a Christian actually live like a Christian in their beliefs, right? They may culturally identify as a Christian. We've heard that a lot in our culture about identifying as one thing or another. They may culturally identify as a Christian, and they may even show up to church every now and then. But if they are denying and they are not living according to what God's Word teaches us, if they are denying what God's truth is that has come from His Bible through Jesus to His disciples, to all of the people that have come before us and that we now have to study and learn to live by, if they deny all of these things, if we deny that Jesus' proper place is at the forefront of our lives, if we deny all of those things, man, how easy is it going to be for us to be led astray by false doctrine? Because we don't know the truth. You can't believe the truth. You can't follow the truth if you don't know what the truth is, if you haven't read it yourself. We have to ask questions. We have to, we have to push away our doubts by figuring out what it is that God teaches us and what His truth is. We have to know and obey that, the God, that God's Word, the Bible, is holy and perfect. We can't deny those things because ultimately we'll know about who Jesus is, but we'll never actually follow after Him. John says in verse 21, I'm writing to you because you know the truth, so live in it, abide in it. Verse 27 is for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. 
But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, that when you have a relationship with Jesus and you follow after the things that Jesus teaches you, he sends the Holy Spirit to you to be your guide and your voice of truth in your life, to help you discern what is right and what is pure. And he's saying, hey, the one who came before you, me, abides with you. I live inside of you now through the Holy Spirit, and I will guide you and walk with you, but you have to, you have to learn more about me. You have to learn what the truth is. You have to ask questions. You have to read your Bible. You have to seek out God. Verse 28, Now little children abide in him so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. The third thing we need to know is that we need to lean into a relationship with God. We need to lean into a relationship with God. There's an incentive. If you didn't know this, there's an incentive when you lean into a relationship with God, when you have a real intimate relationship with Jesus Christ as your Savior, do you know what it is? It's confidence. It's confidence. How many of you want to be more confident in your life? How many of you want to be confident in who you are and what it is that you know? How many of you want to be spiritually confident? Spiritually confident in who God created you to be. Spiritually confident in the Word of God and how it affects and impacts your life. Then have a relationship with God. If you want clarity, if you want certainty in our world that is full of doubt and anxiety and worry and, and, and false truth and, and uncertainty, if you want certainty in a world that all of that is so prevalent, Foster an intimate relationship with God. Give your trust to Jesus, and you will experience a confidence you've never felt before. If you want to know what that looks like, man, look back to the Old Testament. You can look at all the Old Testament prophets and and see what kind of relationship they had with God, right? So often, they would scream at God. They would yell, hey, God, are you even here? Are you there? Are you going to show up? Are you going to do something? Look what's happening right now to your people. Are you ever going to do anything? And every single time God would answer and prove himself to be faithful and say, hey, y'all, I'm right here. I'm right here walking alongside you, and I've got a lot of stuff at play. I'm with you always. And because of that, I think the Old Testament prophets and people in our Bible had such deep and real relationships with God because they were able to talk to God. They were able to trust God. They were able to go to God with all of their worries and anxieties and fears and frustrations. They were able to go to him and have real conversations. Their faith was able to be tested and go through real stuff. And they found that God is always faithful. They found that God is always true. And they grew in their faith because of it. Verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who also practices righteousness is born of him. Verse 29, Last thing this morning, I think we need to lean into righteousness. We need to lean into God's righteousness. Because if we apply God's standard, which is perfect holiness, perfect righteousness in our life, which all of us know we can't attain perfection. Only God can, right? Only God is perfectly righteous. But when we follow after Jesus, when we trust Jesus with everything that is in us, Christ begins to live in and through us. And his righteousness begins to reflect out of us. And we have to lean into that. We have to lean into God's righteousness. 
And I'm not talking about self-righteousness. Nobody likes that guy. Don't be that guy. Don't be self-righteous. I'm talking about a holy righteousness that comes only from Jesus. Throughout chapter 2, John is trying to tell them like, hey, make it your aim not to sin. Whatever you do, don't fall into the trap of sin. But I think so often we change that phrase up just a little bit to be, make it your aim not to sin. Except a little bit. I mean, maybe once or twice a week, you know, a couple times a month, that's okay. I'm going to try really hard not to sin. I'm going to try really hard to live the way God has called me to live, but I'm probably going to trip up just a little bit, just kind of giving you a heads up, right? I mean, that's like, I'm going to walk up these stairs over here, and I am not going to trip, except over like maybe one or two steps. Like, I'm probably, there's a loose board over there, and I trip over it every time, even though I see it coming, I still fall, right? It's what we have turned it into, but when we lean into godly righteousness, when we lean into the teaching of Jesus, the things that are fuzzy in this world, the things that we're unsure about come into view. We begin to get clarity. We begin to be able to see when there's a loose board in front of us and we can avoid that step. We can avoid that thing that's going to trip us up. We can avoid the truth that is not really true and the things that pull us away from who God has created us to be. And it also teaches us when somebody is trying to teach us something that isn't true. We're able to discern whether or not their walk matches their talk. Is the thing that they are saying actually truth, or are they reshaping the ball and telling me it's something different? Leaning into righteousness, leaning into a relationship with God gives us the confidence that when our world rapidly changes and truth changes almost on a daily basis now, we understand that our truth does not change. Because our truth is the only truth that comes directly from God, that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior over all things. And I stole this illustration from Kevin. Y'all don't tell him I did this, but no, I'm just kidding. He's probably watching online. Uh, I hope he is. He's the pastor. Um, man, rabbit trail. Get back on the course. Uh, no, I stole this illustration from him, but it's so good because I think it illustrates this perfectly. I think so often we treat our faith like a buffet, right? I think so often we walk in and we look, out every, look at everything that God has laid out in front of us and we pick up our plate and our fork and we're like, I want some of that. I want some of that right there. Yeah, that looks good. Actually, I'm going to get an extra plate. Give me some more of that. Cool. Ooh, that over there. I've had that before. That looks awesome. I want, I want a double helping of that, right? Just keep it, keep it going, right? Ooh, that looks new. What's the, I've never had that before, but that looks really good, right? Give me some of that. No, 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 not, I want the thing beside it, not, no, 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 that's not what I asked for, right? That's, that's not what I wanted, I asked for the thing beside it, don't, don't give me that. No, 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 don't give me that, that's not what I asked for. And we treat it like a buffet where we can pick and choose all the things that we want, and so often we forget that God always makes a perfect meal for us, even sometimes when it's hard to swallow. We forget that God knows what he's doing that he is God and we do not have to be God because he's pretty good at being God. He's perfect at being God. And his will and his plan and his truth is ultimately greater than anything that we can come up with on our own. And so we can have confidence in trusting him. We can have confidence that he knows what he's doing. Y'all, we have to lean into the church and be surrounded by other believers that are going to hold us accountable. 
We have to lean into the scriptures and study God's word, study God's truth so that we can know it and we can test the things of this world that are not true. We have to have a relationship with God. We have to be seeking after God, seeking after what his will is for our life. And ultimately, we have to lean into God's righteousness, understand that his will is so much greater than our own. Live up to the life that he wants us to live. Y'all, we have seen an awesome depiction of what these things look like today when we saw the family stand on the stage just a moment ago. Of families that are leaning into God's will, leaning into a relationship with God, leaning into their church, asking their church to come alongside them and build them up, encourage them and say, hey, our family is going to live for God. We need your help. And in a moment, we're going to look at another awesome depiction. Like this Sunday is just jam-packed of awesome stuff. Not my teaching, but everything else has been awesome. And in a moment, we're going to watch several get baptized. And we're going to see people lean into God's righteousness, lean into a relationship with God. And they're going to declare publicly that, hey, I live for Jesus now. I dedicate my life to what it is that Jesus wants me to live for. I'm going to dedicate my life to what is holy and what is true. Friends, this morning, don't live your life following after fake imitations of Jesus. Don't believe false truths about your faith faith and misconstructions of what Jesus' gospel is. Don't fall for the lump of Plato when you can have the truth. Lean into Jesus and experience the fullness of what life looks like when we follow after him and we believe in his truth. Trust and know that God has the best for you, wants the best for you, and will always be with you no matter what. Y'all pray with me. God, we come before you this morning and I I thank you for bringing bringing us into this place for worship today. Thank you for bringing these families here today, God, to experience your word, to experience your truth this morning. God, for us to be challenged on what it is that you want for each and every one of us, God. God, there's so many distractions, there's so many things in this world that want to pull us away from you, that want to deceive us and make us believe the lie that you're not real, that you're not present, that you don't love us, God. But we know that's not the case. We know that's not the truth. Help us not to be distracted. Help us not to be led astray by things that are not of you. God, give us the strength. Give us the encouragement. God, give us the accountability in each of our lives to follow after you with everything that we have. To follow after you with all of our heart. To live the life that you have set out for each and every one of us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.